Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Bill. And um, we are finally back to Game of Thrones. I know it's been a long time. Yep, but we're not Sansa's chapter. So we're on chapter 29, Sansa. Once again, George R.R., if you're listening, please number your chapters. I know it's a bit late for that. Uh, yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't. So this is um, the second Sansa chapter in this book. And my illustrated copy has a very detailed drawing of Sir Loras Tyrell, the Knight of the Flowers, looking all pretty in his pretty floral armor. He's got a rose. Yeah, Sansa's uh, enjoying this whole scene. Yeah, so this is... The hand's tourney, the hand's tourney that the hand wants nothing to do with because it's a big drain on the royal expenses. But it has to be, he's told that it has to be done for morale and for, to show the king, uh, the king's power, all that good stuff. Economics into the city, all that. And so Sansa is attending her first real joust where she can... You know, seeing knights in shining armor in real life, and she's going with the Scepter and her friend Jane Poole. (coughs) And, And oh, they're... They're ogling all the knights. Yeah. And, oh, they got to travel in a litter with, like, yellow silk curtains, which I presume is a first time. Uh, doing anything that fancy. And yeah. oh, it's gonna be... It's gonna be even better than the songs that they hear from the bards. Yeah. And so they get to see all these young knights come out in real life, and they see the seven knights of the King's Guard, and all of them, except for Jamie Lannister, have their armor the color of milk, and their cloaks as white as fresh fallen snow and Jamie also has his white cloak but his armor is shining gold from head to foot with a lion's head helm and a golden sword which I'm sure you could uh, make something symbolic about his uh, loyalties there yeah they mention the mountain yep the mountain the mountain that rides so Gregor Clegane, um, they also note um, Lord Jan Royce, who had um, been a guest of Winterfell two years before, and his bronze armor, which is thousands of years old and has magic runes engraved in them, which, that's a thing. Now I'm leaving that up in the air, whether the runes are actually magic or not. They're probably not, but... This is a world where sometimes things like that are real, but... Yeah, you never know. And they also see um, Lord Jason Mallister with his um, eagle wings helm. 
who had cut down three of Rhaegar's bannermen on the trident, and the warrior priest Thoros of Myr, with his flapping red robes and shaven head, and um, the scepter told them that he had once scaled the walls of Pike with a flaming sword in hand. Um, so this guy is actually going to be a more major uh, character in the series. But, you know, for now, he's... Oh, he's the funny drunk priest who likes to get drunk with the king and uh, light his sword on fire as a gimmick. And yet, he was uh, drunk for that uh, battle at Pike, too. Yeah. Of course he was. Why wouldn't he be? I mean, he may as well be at that point. They see various knights that they don't recognize from you know, lesser known places. And the Fingers, Dorn, Hedge Knights, um, some of them are from Highgarden, Free Riders. So everybody's out there from to, everywhere. you know. It's the, it's the Hands Tourney. It's the Hands Tourney. So, you know, all the big names got to be there and all the not-so-big names that are hoping to get some uh, fame that way, they're all out. Yep. And I guess, like, it's a lot of names for me to give all of them. Oh, they've got uh, Sir Horace and Sir Haber... Um, both, uh, redhead twins, who are, uh, the sons of Lord Redwine. Yeah. Yeah, those guys, they actually show up in, uh, one of the Samwell chapters later. Oh, they do? Yeah, oh, basically, well, uh... as their younger brat selves. Okay. <laughs> They also, they see Jalabar Zoe, who is an exiled prince from the Summer Isles, who wears a cape of green and scarlet feathers. And uh, Jane Poole is scared of him. And, oh yes, Lord Barrington Darien... And he's also, he's a redhead and he's got a black shield slashed with lightning and Jane Poole pronounces herself willing to marry him on the spot. Yeah, she does he, that Yeah, times. keep in mind that this guy is like 30, so this is about the equivalent of like teenagers watching Lord of the Rings and deciding they want to marry Orlando Bloom. Yeah. And the hounds in it, too. <coughs> yeah, the hounds in the tournament, too. Yep, the hounds in it also. Mention what the hound is, who the hound is. Yes, the hound is, um, the, he's the brother of, 
um, Sir Gregor Clegane, so he's Sandor Clegane. We we already talked about him earlier when he uh, yeah, it's just hunted down the butcher's boy. Yes, just a reminder that he is the he's the younger brother, isn't he? He's the younger brother, and notably is not a knight and does not want to be one. Absolutely despises knights and anything knights allegedly stand for. Even though he is one. Well, Isn't he, he isn't. A sir? He's not a sir officially. Oh, he, I he, was. he basically has the same kind of <laughs> function with the king, but <coughs> he is not officially a sir. So where's the part? Okay. So various of these guys start jousting. Now, if you're not familiar with it, okay. I guess everyone knows that it's guys on horseback, you know, riding at each other with lances. You know, it's an inherently violent and dangerous sport. You're not supposed to be deliberately actually trying to kill the other rider. You're supposed to be hitting them on their shield and knocking them off the horse. You know, plenty of opportunity to get really hurt, you know, even doing that correctly. Yeah, people die. For example, King Henry II of France suffered a... He, uh, he, he died jousting. He, uh, was, uh, jousting and, uh, uh, the lance broke in his face and splinters entered his eye and it became infected and he died after an agonizing, yeah, what was it, uh, 20 days about, something like that. Or no, not quite, like, 11 days. And several years ago, there was an accident, more modern, where a horse died after, like, a broken piece of splintered lance that got kicked up. Like, nobody even, you know, hit the animal. It just, you know, freak accident happened. But yes, even in... Even, you know, way back when and even in the setting of Game of Thrones actually stabbing a person with a lance would be absolutely not something that's meant to happen. And, you know, going also if you try to hit the horse that's also would be considered a major foul. But, you know, things happen. And at one point, Sir Hugh of the Vale is riding against Sir Gregor Clegane, and the lance hits him in the neck and breaks off, and he just dies in minutes right there on the field. Um, There's reason to think this may not uh, be as uh, accidental. Oh yeah, you mentioned that because what he knew 
might he might know future. too much. That's spoilers for the future, though. So I guess I don't know if we're but because touch of, that. But because of you know this happening, yeah, there's deniability of oh it could have been an accident. This is not something that's going to get. Gregor uh, tried for murder or anything, you know. And Jane Poole is, of course, you know, shocked by this and <laughs> crying. <coughs> and Septim Ordain took her away from the match to. Uh... Oh, it says regain her composure and. Sansa is just like watching and staring and she feels like she ought to be crying too but she doesn't really feel anything about this at least right away. Nope. Um and she thinks maybe it's because she you know, already cried so much for the death of her wolf and for what happened with Bran and it would be different if she'd watched somebody that she really kn- knew die this way. And then she realizes that this night is never going to have any songs sung about him, and that she finds sad. Yeah. I'm sure George R.R. is trying to go for something deep here, but it's just... Well, I think she, he's trying to show that she's numb already, and she has to kind of force herself to be sad, because um, she knows she's supposed to be. Is that I would think that somebody as young as Sansa and as mostly sheltered from seeing any real violence would have been more affected by this. <coughs> yeah, you'd think. But yes, the no the no song is it um, she still, you know, very much looks at it as, you know, making it into the the songs that, you know, the bards sing for years after is, like, one of the most important things, and this guy's never going to get that. Yeah. And, yeah, they just uh, have someone shovel the dirt over the blood and keep jousting like nothing happened. Yeah. That's how it works, though. It's the tourney. They they, 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 they probably imagine that a few people would die, so they have to act like it's no big deal whenever it happens. The show must go on. Yep. show must go on. More jousting happens. Um, when uh, Lord Renly is riding, he's got a fancy golden antler helmet, and one of the antlers breaks off, and gets just tossed into the crop. And yeah, that. The hound tosses the broken off gold antler into the crowd, and the peasants fight over it because it's gold. 
It's gold. Yeah. So my antlers worth a lot. <laughs> the scepter comes back without Jane. There next happens the first death of a horse, and the knight that uh, killed a horse is declared forfeit. As I said, actually uh, aiming for a horse is considered a major foul. Yeah, you're not. You can kill a person, but not the horse. The horse is a major. It's it's a major error. You're not supposed to do that, no matter what. Miss Jousting rules. Uh, yeah, and the guy whose horse got killed, um, Lord Barak, he just, you know, puts his saddle on a different horse and keeps going. And gets right knocked right off of it by Thoros. <coughs> yep. And it, it you know continues on uh, this way. And then Sir Loras, the Knight of the Flowers, comes out. And he's just 16. He's the youngest um, competitor on the field. And he's already knocked three knights of the King's Guard off of their horses. So. Yeah, he's doing really well. He's doing well. And, of course, Sansa thinks that he's the prettiest guy ever. And he's got his pretty armor. And (laughs) his horse has a blanket of roses on. And he keeps taking off his helmet and taking out a white rose and giving it to some fair maiden. (coughs) He says... Well, it's... We haven't gotten that far yet. Okay, well. Well, yeah, sure, eventually... Yeah, he eventually comes, gets, takes out a red rose. For Sansa. And he says, sweet lady, no victory is half so beautiful as you. And Sansa's totally amazed by this. And yeah. uh, she's got a red rose. You know, she thinks this totally means something. It's, it's part of the show. Yeah, and of course he's going to try and uh, impress the daughter of the Hand of the King. Right. So he, he wants that. He wants that to... Uh... Minor, minor spoiler. <laughs> he's gay. He's not interested in any of these maidens. <coughs> yep, that's just how he is. He's a, uh, a showman, as Sarah said. And... Um, next, Sansa meets um, another soon-to-be-a-major character, a short man with a pointed beard and a silver streak in his hair, almost as old as her father, and he just... Out of the blue, uh, says, you must be one of her daughters. You have the Tully look. And his eyes did not smile, but his mouth did. And Sansa is uh, uncomfortable with this. And this guy has a um, 
heavy cloak with a silver mockingbird pin fastening it. And he acts like, you know, he's a high lord, but she doesn't know him or who he is. And this is Peter Baelish, Littlefinger, absolute scuzzbag. Yeah, he's he he's a terrible person, which we'll get into. We will get into later. later. Chapters, but he's a uh, he's a terrible ba- person. He's a constantly plotting bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and after Scepter Mordain introduces um, who Peter Baelish is. He says, your mother was my queen of beauty once. You have her hair, and he's, like, touching her hair weirdly. Which pretty much sets up how uh, Peter acts toward her in general for the rest of the And so I'm uh, moving back on to the the rest of the scenery. It's already night. The moon is up. Um, the king decrees that the last three matches of the just will be fought the next morning before the melee. The commoners have already begun to go home. The court have their feast. They have six monstrous huge aurochs roasting on spits. Aurochs are a reminder, for those who don't remember, they're wild cattle. And they were much bigger than domestic cattle. Much bigger, much more dangerous, and now currently extinct. Yep. They're one of the more recent extinctions in, in the sense that uh, who's the historical the, extinction? Who's the latest civilization that saw them? <coughs> Probably the Romans saw them, right? They, yeah, they were a favorite quarry of Julius Caesar, but they uh they they went extinct sometime in the early Middle Ages, I'd say, if I remember correctly. Which I'm not looking. I don't know. It might be wrong, but if I remember correctly, that's what it was. So, yeah, that is a lot of beef. Mm-hmm. Oh, my dog is sleeping. I'm like, damn, a lot of meat here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they have piles of sweet grass and strawberries and fresh baked bread. I don't know what sweet grass is. I mean, the sweet grass, I, I know... you would know if anyone... I'm not sure it's a real thing, because the sweet grass that exists in real life is more of like an incense used in like traditional Native American use. I don't think you can actually eat it. <laughs> so I, I don't know what this is here. I'm not sure either. Oh, and... Both Sansa and Scepter Mordain get places of high honor to the left of where uh, the king and the queen are and Joffrey sits next to her and... um, She's all excited to have Joffrey near her even though he hasn't talked to her at all since... uh, the thing that happened with the wolf and 
the butcher's boy and her sister. And she thinks that she hated him for what happened to Lady. But she tells herself it wasn't really Joffrey's doing, it was the Queen. And yeah, she should hate the Queen for it and Arya. And nothing bad would have happened if it weren't for Arya. And she can't hate Joffrey tonight, he's just too pretty. He's too pretty and he's too well-mannered. He's pretty, he's well-mannered, he's got all his royal outfit on. Uh, he doesn't act jealous about uh, the Sir Loras thing. He's just like, oh, Sir Loras has a keen eye for beauty, sweet lady. Yeah. And um, Sansa says that Sir Loras is a true knight, and does Joffrey think he will win tomorrow? And Joffrey's like, no, my dog will do for him, meaning the hound, or his uncle Jamie. And when he's a, a few years older and can joust himself, he will do for them all. And he summons a servant to bring wine, and um, first, I think, um, it says that Sansa looked anxiously at Septim Ordain, which to me is like, well, maybe, um, <coughs> Septim Ordain being the responsible adult allegedly there might not be letting her have wine, but... <coughs> Septim Ordain gets her wine first, and uh, as it happens, <coughs> she's not the type who acts like a responsible adult when uh, getting wine, so. So everybody gets to have as much wine as they want, which they probably. Uh, under the circumstances, shouldn't, but... And there's all these, you know, bards out singing, they got a juggler with burning, uh, clubs juggling. <coughs> the king's own fool, uh, Moonboy, comes with his stilts. Yeah. Now, Moonboy is a recurring character... Mostly kind of treated as a joke. And maybe that is all he, you know, is. Like, oh, he's the jester, he's funny. But, do you ever think, like, maybe Moonboy, uh, is in on some stuff and... Oh, that's sort of the Shakespearean use of the jester. The jester's more, is smarter and uh, more with it than a lot of people give him credit for. There's more uh, George R. R. food descriptions. They got a venison stew and sweet grass, spinach, plums, snails and honey and garlic. And Sansa has never had snails before, and for the record, neither have I. And Joffrey shows her how to get the snail out of the shell and feeds her the first sweet snail morsel himself. Aw, ew. <laughs> 
my ear response more for for Joffrey than uh, the snail. Yeah. They get to the trout baked in clay. So you gotta crack the clay casing off to get to the trout meat inside. I've cooked a lot of fish. I've never cooked a fish that way. It's probably an old way of cooking it. Like, really, really old. Like, Bronze Age old. It wouldn't be practical for me, I mean, to get that much clay. (laughs) (coughs) Yeah, back in the day, clay ovens were a thing. And, yeah, they're getting desserts and sweetbreads and pigeon pie and baked apples, lemon cakes. <coughs> and Sansa gets to have two little lemon cakes. And Sansa loves her lemon cakes. And meanwhile, the king is just getting louder and drunker with each course. And Sansa hears him yelling, No, you do not tell me what to do, woman. Right at the queen in front of everybody. I am king here, do you understand? I rule here, and if I say that I will fight tomorrow, I will fight. Yeah, he's throwing a temper tantrum, because he insists that he'll fight, because he's Robert Baratheon, who's supposed to be this champion who won his uh, throne with brute force even though he's like now like older and out of shape and all that stuff but he still is fighting him and the yeah the queen is there just looking angry and the king's brother, Renly, the queen's brother, Tyrion. Sansa doesn't recognize... Well, she re- she's seen Tyrion before, but... Actually, no. I'm... I messed up here. I thought this was Tyrion. No, the, sh- the short man next to... Uh, <coughs> the others there is um, Baelish. I goofed up. Yeah. Huh. Jamie puts his hand on the king's shoulder and the king just like shoved him away hard. <laughs> so hard that uh, Jamie stumbles and falls and the king is like, the great knight, I can still knock you in the dirt. Remember that, Kingslayer. Give me my hammer and not a man in the realm can stand before me. So he's roaring drunk, he's spilling wine everywhere, this stuff's going on. So yes, as as Bill said, the king wants to, you know, relive the stuff he got to do before he was king, you know, fighting in these jousts, fighting in the melee. And I don't want to drop spoilers. 
most of our listeners are probably at least familiar with the show. The Queen's um, telling Robert not to fight could be very easily seen as reverse psychology. Get him, get him angry by forbidding him to do this. Encouraging him to do uh, dangerous things yeah. while drunk. Yep. Where surely uh, nothing uh, can happen from that. Yeah. That goes into... That goes into what happens in the future, so... Joffrey um, offers to escort Sansa back to the castle, and Sansa surprisingly declines and says she doesn't need that. But she looks to uh, Septimordain, who is at this point passed out. Yeah. Passed out from her wine. Or maybe I'm. You know, it could be because it's late, but I. I think it's the wine. It is the wine. And Sansa seems to change her mind. Like, um, yes, she could use... (laughs) It's dark. She could use some protection. And she's clearly hoping, you know, Joffrey will escort her. But instead, Joffrey calls out, Dog. And Sandor Clegane comes out, the hound. And Joffrey just orders him to, you know, take... Take my betrothed back to the castle and see that no harm befalls her. And Sansa, you know, feels majorly creeped out by the hound. Yeah, and rightfully so. I would say. And she thinks that that he has a laugh like the snarling of dogs in a pit. And the hound is like, did you think Joff was going to take you himself? And um, he says, he's drunk too much and he may need to kill his brother tomorrow. He needs sleep. So, yeah, 12-year-old girl is uh, having this guy uh, escort her back. Yeah. Well, if anything happened to her... I'm not, I'm actually not making any kind of suggestion like that, but just, like, absolutely scary guy. Oh, yeah, it's scary, but if anything happened to her, yeah. And, you know, she she tries, you know, the courtesies, oh, you rode gallantly today, Sir Sandor, and she's trying her best not to look like she's noticing the burns on his face. And... The hound is to spare her uh, empty little compliments. And your sirs, I am no knight. I spit on them and their vows. My brother is a knight. Did you see him ride today? And Sansa's like trying to come up with something complimentary to say about that. He wasn't gallant, the hound finished. And Sansa realizes that she's being mocked. 
And the hound says, some scepter trained you well. You're like one of those birds from the Summer Isles, aren't you? A pretty little talking bird. Repeating all the pretty little words that ta- they taught you to recite. Yeah. Now here, uh, I'm ignoring the plot and being like, okay, what kind of bird they got there? They got parrots? They got minas? What? Some kind of bird that repeats <laughs> words. They can now drop your ornithology and get back into... And uh, Sansa says, you know, that's unkind and you're frightening me. I want to go now. <clears throat> um, oh, I missed an important sentence. Yes, when she was uh, looking for a complimentary thing to say about Sir Gregor Clegane, who had... Just, uh, killed that guy in the tourney earlier. She says no one could withstand him, which, you know, (coughs) yeah, it sounds complimentary without uh, directly telling any lies. (coughs) And uh, the hound's like, no one could withstand him, that's true enough. No one could ever withstand Gregor. And that boy today was a second joust, and he had no business riding in this company. <laughs> and he had no money, no squire, and no one to help with the armor, and that his uh, gorget, her, his uh, neck armor wasn't fastened properly. And you think Gregor didn't notice that? <laughs> And you think Sir Gregor's lance rode up by chance, and there's a, um, in the book, the word Sir is, um, emphasized hard, and, you know, it's got, um, what's that style of... Bold? Italics? Italics? Yeah. So, yeah, he is basically saying he knows it wasn't an accident. And that's uh, just how Gregor is. And you're you're just, you know, being a pretty little talking bird and giving uh, what you're told to say. And then tells her to look at his uh, burned face and stop turning away from him. Yeah. And so then there's a uh, graphic description of just how bad the burn scars are all on one side of his face. And you got any pretty words for that? And that most think that it happened in a battle from a burning tower or an enemy with a torch and... That one fool had even asked if it had been done by a dragon. And then he's getting up cl- up closer and Sansa can like smell the wine. And it wasn't that. It was not that. When he was a kid, maybe six or seven, he got 
there was a uh, wood carver that lived in the same village as his father's keep, and he would send gifts, like toys, and there was a wooden knight that was all painted up, and Gregor got one as a gift, and at that point, Gregor was old enough that he wasn't interested in toys anymore. And he was already six feet tall, really strong. And Sandor played with his... What, how old then? Okay, so if, if the Hound was six or seven, and Gregor was... Five years older. That would make him 11. Yeah, so he was 11 and he was six foot what? Six foot tall already. Yeah. It's not impossible, but that's pretty, uh, pretty, uh, unusual to say the least. So Gregor does not care about playing with toys anymore, but he sees Sandor playing with his toy, and he grabs him and shoves him into the braze- the hot brazier in his room and holds him there until three grown men pull him off. Mina, you come back. <coughs> the Septons preach about the seven hells. What do they know? Only a man who's been burned knows what hell is truly like. And so after that happens, their father um, covers up for Gregor, says that the bedding had caught fire. So Gregor completely gets away with it. Yeah. And the maester got him ointments, and Gregor got his ointments too, because four years later... He was anointed with the seven oils and recited his knightly vows and was knighted by Rhaegar Targaryen. And after Sansa hears this uh, really horrifying story, <coughs> he just says he was, she says he was no true knight. And the hound laughs and says, no... No, no, little bird. He was no true knight. And then he never, he doesn't say anything. And they just have a uncomfortable, you know, rest of the trip to the, um, keep where Sansa's staying. And then when they get there. When they get there, the hound says that if she tells anybody, (coughs) Joffrey, her sister, her father, anybody, he is going to kill her. Yeah. So... Yeah, that was uh, something. The hound, ladies and gentlemen. The hound. And that is why the hound hates anything to do with knights or sirs or any of that. uh... And fire. He doesn't like fire either. Yes, and he has a major uh, PTSD about fire in pretty much any form. Which doesn't mean that he doesn't uh, encounter fire repeatedly. 
Well, with all the battles and wildfire and fire priests and fire everything going on. Though, do you have any, uh, any more commentary about this? Just that the Hound is a monster, but not as much as his brother. Not as much as his brother. So... That ends this ends the chapter. The next one is going to be another Eddard chapter. Yep. Um, we'll still be doing more Lord of the Rings. Um, we'll eventually be doing some Hunger Games too. <coughs> Thank you for listening to Cast into the Fire podcast, and have a good evening. Good night.